So I think you could almost say that historically, if you think about the history of computers, right? Um, in many ways, they're almost dumb in the sense that we program them, we tell it what we want it to do explicitly. It's not intelligent enough to, you know, kind of reason or know what you're trying to do. It, it basically gives you, you put an input, it gives you an output. At the most basic level, that's how computing has worked. You know, it's very binary. Um, and I think if you even come all the way up to where we are today, pre-chat GPT and so forth, the majority of products, including Office and the likes, essentially have operated in that context, all right? Within the AI era, what we're saying is that we're adding a layer of intelligence, so an air, a layer of capability, so that what have been our products to date, or the platforms we use to run our businesses, now have a level of intelligence now embedded that has elements of AI. My view is almost as a throwback to a quote I think Bill Gates made many, many years ago, and I think he wrote a book called Business at the Speed of Thought, when he said that in the future, every business will be an e-business. And we saw this reality come to the fore as a result of digital transformation due to the pandemic. I, as a company in Donsavi, we've not gone back to the office in three and a half years. In fact, right now, we're trying to figure out how to pay the landlord off so that uh, we can just move, because we don't need an office, right? But the reality is that now, in that context, you know, pretty much every business today is an e-business. If you're doing Zoom calls, if you're sending emails, if you are, um, using technology to inherently operate, then that's there. But now the next thing is what he was pointing out, which is the AI, which is able to surface key insights. It's able to automate certain functions. It's able to even give you a heads up uh, using something called pattern recognition when it notices something is askew or even surface opportunities that you might be missing. Like, hang on, you're doing it this way. Did you know you could save money in that way? And I think that's the transformation where people now get starting, get concerned that uh, the humans in my business might lose a job. Case in point, um, we used to have <laughs> in our team, um, somebody will always be assigned the job of taking notes from our status meeting every Monday. We now have a tool we call Fireflies yeah. that we pay for. So the human doesn't do anything. You, 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 you turn it on, it picks up the general sense of the meeting, it records the meeting and tells you, okay, this is a summary of your meeting. It's not perfect, but it's good enough to the point that that human doesn't have to do that job. In fact, one of the famous things I have is never give a robot, uh, never give a human a robot's job, right? Because the tool that is doing it for you is actually even better than the person. But long and short of it, what I'm trying to say is that the AI is not inherently the thing. It's a thing that is now being applied to all these other things that operate. Excellent. Now, you guys have spoken some amazing things, but there is something we call qua grounder. Eh? So, very good English you've spoken, eh? Now, qua ground here, um, let's see, what kind of business, let me pick a sample of the business that are here, right? So that we interact directly. What line of work, do you run a business? Mamboga. My name is Bernard Kiruri, Senior Property Advisor with Optiven. I'm in real estate. Awesome. I think that's I what's called a mini pitch. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's called elevator pitch. Yeah. So uh, that's just, just speaking to you, giving you. So we talk about insurance, we talk about real estate, we talk about Mamboga, we talk about um, uh, agribiz. Let me pick agriculture. Go, run with it. Um, it's, it's, it's good you've localized it, qua ground, yeah? Um, and this is really perfect. I, I do some agriculture in my village. You know the how we say Kenyans have peculiar habits, have a side hustle of mm -hmm. um, doing agriculture. So I'll, I'll try um, bring out how AI can be useful. I'm hoping to reach there. I'm not yet there. So if I theorize a little bit, uh, excuse me a little bit. Um, I'm planting some some fruits here and there. Um, I have a borehole. I've, I've, I've tried to put some drip irrigation. I'm working with someone, hopefully, to have some sensors um, put there, right? What that means is um, a lot of data is going to be gathered in terms of how much um, moisture or water is going into that. And with time, we will be able to figure out how much water is going to be needed 
for each plant, right? Hopefully, the future would look like I will just put on my mobile application and say, switch on the water and only give these kinds of water. And I'll be able to know my reservoir has this volume and uh, do I need to add more water and, and those kinds of things, right? So with time, you see, based on the data that's gonna be gathered over time, um, which is essentially creating a simple AI, it will figure out how much water my plants and my land will actually be needing. So rather than just flood it with um, water in, at once evenly, you know, that's not gonna be the case. I used to do work for this organization called Olivado and I was quite impressed how they, they do avocado and they do a lot of data and, and AI things. They are even able to look at your, the plant quality and tell you what kind of fertilizer you need to apply to it. What's missing, this plant is, is, is based on the soil, nutrients and, and the kind of data they can gather. You are able to be told, hey, something is off with this kind of place, let's add this kind of nutrients and all that. So in, in agriculture, I hope you can see where that, you'll be here, you're being told, hey, you need to buy DAP, my friend. Your maize is not looking very well. Something is off. So you can see how that's gonna be quite, uh, and I know we are like, is it really expensive? Um, I, I, I don't think so. And, and with time, you know, these things are gonna get cheaper and cheaper as, as more people we are embracing um, that. I hope that brings yep. it to a ground. So Quaground, that's a very good start, Quaground. I got to learn this quote, that any skill you need or any machine that you need that you haven't bought, you're already paying for it. With Pastor Tony's permission, I'll say, put that in a pipe and smoke it for a while. Eh? Right? Any skill you need or any machine that your business needs that you haven't bought yet, you're already paying for it. So, and then, you see, the thing is that the, the market is here, here. Because you guys are not going to take to market. What you grow, you're not going to take to market. So, uh, in terms of market linkages and AI, where, again, you have a cut blanche on this, but what do you think uh, is available in terms of linking uh, producers to the market, to the consumers, but also take a cut blanche on qua ground what your experience has been? First of all, one of the, the things that really pains me is the gap that exists in people, especially SMEs, not knowing what they don't know or not having the ability to do the things they have to do. Almost going back to your point, meaning that you're already paying the price by not having the thing you need to do. And one of the things that I have seen, and I've seen even when I talk to my peers, because I work in digital marketing, that's my day job, but I also happen to be a digital trainer. I train a lot of people in organizations on how to use digital marketing to make them more effective. And the thing that pains me is that when I see businesses struggle because they can't afford a website, they can't afford a social media manager, they can't afford somebody to do their graphics and buy ads online, um, on one hand, it's a reality that they're failing because they're not even visible online. Obscurity is the number one reason why businesses fail today, wow. right, of any size. If somebody doesn't know you exist, then they can't do business with you. And I see it like in a mall near my house uh, where I go for a haircut. I think the three uh, barber shops that have come and gone there in the last four years. They start, they do stuff, I keep asking them, so how are you guys marketing? How are people coming? Because every time I come, it's empty. So use Facebook, use whatever, ah, like into Nigeria, to ni, 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 ni. So that thing of not knowing what you don't know is part of the reason you fail. But let's go now to the story of AI. Now, when I look at my day job, I had an opportunity, I think, late last year to hire more people. So I said to myself, this AI thing, I tried ChatGPT, and one day I went in and said, this is my client. This is what they do. Um, I want for the next two weeks to do a promotion of this nature. You put in a prompt to ChatGPT. Lo and behold, within a matter of minutes, I had a two-week content calendar. Content calendar is what we use on social media to break down what I'm going to say on Monday, at what time, on which platform, etc. So today we're running a special offer, sent Mamamboga. I'm selling tomatoes at this price, if you'd like to buy whatever. Now you take that content, and now you have the narrative. The next thing you say, okay, I need visuals. You go use a tool called Canva. Maybe some of you guys, maybe you don't know it, maybe you know it. You can go into Canva and say, okay, give me the headline that I'm gonna put on top of that picture that I'm gonna put on Facebook, TikTok, and so forth. The thing can even create for you a TikTok graphic. Now within Canva, they've also now put in AI tools to automate some of those processes. So you feed in your questions, and it gives you visuals for that, connecting to some of these generative systems. So what has just happened there? 
you've created the content, you've published it on these, you, you're creating the visuals, and then the best part is today on a platform like Facebook, if you want to schedule and post those things for the next two weeks, because you are busy sitting at your shop selling uh, your Mamamboga stuff, you can automate and schedule those posts up at a certain time. The next thing is how do I buy ads? Guess what? Even within the Facebook environment, they're now automating some of these processes. So the Facebook actually tells you, this graphic you put here is going to perform very well if you boost it. AI, right? So from start to finish, and this is something you can almost do in a matter of hours, you as a small business potentially are now doing digital marketing as yourself without hiring a single person. And then of course, For analytics. Your business, how many people would it have taken First of all, and how long would you have taken? The content calendar will tell me. The, the content person will tell me it'll take me two days to do that two week CC. The designers will take with them another two weeks. I'm talking about something that practically you could do within two hours. It's not going to be perfect, but guess what? You're going from zero to somewhere, and then through doing, guess what happened? You achieve mastery. If you keep doing it, you keep getting better. You start understanding what works because you know what you have AI in analytics. I'll tell you, you, know, you posted all these things, Lakini, this one is the one that did best. So what you need to do is create more like this. It's guiding you, it's prompting you, it's supporting you. And what I'm trying to say is going from knowledge to no knowledge, here's the best part. Going to ChatGPT or Google and say, how do I run a Facebook campaign? How do I use WhatsApp to run my small business? If you ask the questions, these tools will give you answers. The question then becomes, which I'm sorry to say this, only one to 5% of the planet does is, Nobody's asking the questions and then taking the action. It's just like that's a very simple thing we say. If you go to the gym, yeah, we know that there's a very secret formula to losing weight. You need to eat well and you need to work out. But everyone is looking for that kadawa you can drink that in five minutes will make you lose weight. Nobody wants to do the reps. Nobody wants to do the exercise to get the outcome. So I'd say to small businesses, do the homework, do the doing, make the mistakes, learn from your mistakes, it performs. I want to say one last thing, David. This okay. is incredible. No, go ahead. When we had social media in the past, we had something called the social graph. It looked at David, hey, David and Moses were at USIU. David and Moses worked at Africa Online. Maybe they're buddies, and then it connects me to David. But now we have what we call the interest graph, which is TikTok. Are all of us on TikTok? Some of us? Or well, some of us go to watch content, but we don't create content. So two weeks ago, I had uh, this thing called Starlink. Uh, a friend of mine loaned it to me for two weeks. I hooked it up at the house and I took two pictures. One of the dish and I took another picture showing the speed once I connected. I took those two pictures, I put them on TikTok. I then put a sound. Yeah, a song that my kids told me is a very old song, but anyway, apparently one of these songs from two, three years ago. I posted that thing, guys. I did not pay for a single ad. As of yesterday, this thing was almost at 40,000 views. There was no one dancing. There was no talking head. It was two pictures, music, and here's Starlink. Here's the speed, and here's the picture. I put it on my garage roof. It got 40,000 views. My barber, who I was with two days ago, posts his stuff on TikTok. Now, 50% of the customers who come to him in that barber shop without, that does not have a marketing budget now has 50% of his revenue coming from referrals of TikTok. He does not buy a single ad. Why? Interest graph. TikTok does not show you who you're connected, it shows you what you like to see. It starts to learn your behavior, AI, in the background, something called machine learning. It's understanding what your flavor is. But bottom line is, when you talk about ground, those are simple, practical things you can do with AI. Other than fear, and this is the last question before now we start taking questions, because I want this to be as interactive as possible, and I want you to draw out of these two gentlemen as much as you can. One, do you think there's any industry that will not be affected by any form of AI? And then number two, other than fear of the unknown, is there any excuse for any small business or anyone for that matter? Religious, personal, conviction, whatever it is, is there any reason why somebody should avoid AI or should be afraid of it? That's a very loaded question. <laughs> um, I think, uh, how many of us here have PCs, laptops, um, and how many remember the era of cyber cafes, right? Uh, it's, just, it's just the other day, you know, I, I needed to access by Yahoo, I had to go into a cyber cafe. You know, it's, it's, it's cyber. You remember how it, it, it looks, I know some Gen Z's are wondering, what, what, what's that? And how is, 
see? You're see? dating us, Bana. <laughs> um, so the, 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 you know, the prevalence of the internet, the, the growth of, of access and infrastructure has enabled us to now have, um, you know, even computers in our palms, our, our devices, our, our phones are basically computers, right? Um, and they are sort of our assistants. We just don't use phones to, to make calls or, or text people. We use them for a variety of reasons. I see AI being a similar technology that is going to be a companion for everyone. It's going to be your companion. You know, gone are the days where you think having um, office package skills or, or, or certification, it's a skill. No, that's not a skill. It's a necessity to do your job. Whether you're selling insurance, whether you're selling burger, you need to put data on a spreadsheet and figure out how much sales did I make, how much losses did I make. You know, you don't need to be a computer geek to write what? You understand? So AI is going to be a companion for everybody in their industry. It's going to be your personal thing helping you get your job get done. You know, I need to make my presentation, I need to make my reports as fast as possible. You know, I start doing it, I get help from somebody which is AI to polish it, make it better. I appeal to my audience. Think about it. Normally we'll just write an, a report or whatever and ship it. But you can actually now use AI to help you look better. I am going to be talking to this kind of audience. This report is going to be sent to these kinds of people. Help me localize and contextualize it. It's going to make you really super. It's going to make you and accentuate your skills to a whole different level. You understand? I'm not a finance person, but I have hired people who have um, MBAs and CPAs and nothing against them. But sometimes I've had to be the ones to direct them how to do their financial analysis. And I don't have that skills, but I've used AI to help me figure out what kind of output am I expecting and what kind of input should go in to get certain projections, certain kind of numbers, certain outputs. And then I tell them, okay, please ex execute it in this way. Because I know the output that I want. So if you think about it, it doesn't matter whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in medicine, you know, we all need a little help to tell you, hey, this client, this, this patient is having these kinds of symptoms. I think this may be, but can you just help me understand, has a similar case has been recorded anywhere? Are there patterns that can be, co co you know, correlated to other ailments? So it's going to make everybody better. And just indulge me before I finish because there's a pastor I'm here. hearing you saying no, in other words, to both questions. As I finish, when I, when I was preparing for this, I, I, I'll ask a question. How many people know how many times the word fear appears in the Bible? How many people know how many times the word fear appears in the Bible? I'll even dare, Pastor. Please raise your hand. How many? Ooh. 365. That's correct. I learned that statistics when I was a very small boy listening to Transworld Radio, Neno Evangelicals and all that. I was thinking about when I was coming here, I'm like, can you imagine if I'm preparing a sermon around fear, I need to help humans understand fear is a part of our life. In fact, the reason it appears there are 65 days in the Bible, is it appeared every day of the year. So it's, it's okay to be afraid. So I can get all those contexts and prepare really my sermon to make me understand it's okay to be afraid. But what are all the different contexts around fear as they appeared in the Bible, in the ministry, to properly help people understand? Have I not leveraged AI? It would take me years before I can actually count that. Or now all of you, you know, you've borrowed from our, our shared knowledge with, with, with her. You, you see that? Psalm 34 said, I sought the Lord and he had me and delivered me from all my fear. The angel of the Lord encampeth around those who love him. Selah. <laughs> so, I want to load one more question to you. Same, same question. Is there any reason why, is there any excuse, and is there any industry that is exempt? Right? And then, thirdly, talk about, uh, there's the fear, you know, you guys are speaking so confidently. But not all of us here are running businesses. Some of us are employed, right? And we are thinking, um, that job of mine eh, uh, doesn't look... So the fear is coming from a different angle. Not from the AI, uh, me using AI, is AI coming to my space. Talk to us about that. Hey, there's so much in there. Um, maybe I'll start in the reverse. Um, 
There's a famous saying, I think, and I'm going to paraphrase. It says something like, don't bring a sword to a gunfight. <laughs> or another one says, those who live by the sword will be shot by those with a gun. Something to that effect. I don't know why it's popped up in my mind, but what the analogy I'm trying to put is the world pre-AI and the world uh, of AI. Now, I don't think anything is exempt from AI. Like I mentioned earlier, today when you're leaving for a meeting, this thing will tell you, boss, you need to leave now to get to your meeting on time. It's part of your life. I use something called Grammarly when I'm writing documents and using the internet. I don't write an email without Grammarly on because it makes my conversational communication in written format perfect. I'm a blogger. I've been blogging for 15 years. I do not create a blog post anymore without using AI, which actually, scarily, creates even better blogs than I can do myself. Yes, it's probably 30, 40% is me, but 60% is that embellishment that comes from the AI. Now, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a student, the list goes on and on. AI is going to touch everything. And the reason I say this is because if you listen to what the AI experts are saying today, they're saying that of the order of magnitude that the internet transformed the world, AI is the next huge revolution around all things technology as we know them. Meaning that whether you like it or not, yeah, you have to board. It's going to be there and it's part of it. Now, let me tell you another very profound thing. I have come to understand, not just for myself, but also my employees, those who are using AI, it can take what I'd call an average or a pretty good worker and make them excellent. All right? And here's the funny thing. As you prompt and you learn to prompt the system and ask the right questions, and you start to even gain more mastery on the subject matter because of the questions you're asking, you're actually increasing your competence level by using AI. On one hand, it's making your work easier, faster, better. In fact, sometimes I feel like I'm cheating. Because, you know, if you're a blogger like me, you can work until midnight on a Friday night when guys are partying to crank out a blog post that you think is the bomb. Only for it to be posted online doesn't perform well. But anyway, the point is, you spend hours agonizing on words and outputs. Now, what used to take you four hours is done in 40 minutes, all right? But here's the thing. The order of magnitude to which you as a person and the organization that employs you can perform, and again, I've been reading on this and listening to podcasts everywhere by experts. They're saying it's a zero-sum game. Almost going back to what David said earlier, that you're already paying the price. The organization that is not yet dabbling in, learning, building the competencies to use AI across their workflow is already losing if they're not there. And it's a zero-sum game, meaning that you can't even catch up by the time you wake up and realize. So if you're not already on the bandwagon, they're saying basically if you're already a year behind your competitor who has decided to infuse AI across the organization, and he can talk more about what Google launched earlier this week called uh, Google Duet, which now basically sprinkles AI across all the Google Cloud products. It's about that amplification, that augmentation, so that your competitor is now 3, 30, 40% more capable, better, faster, easier than you could ever be because they've moved that direction. You can't catch up. So in a nutshell, David, it's going to touch everything because it's exactly that saying. Yeah? You're using a knife or a sword. These guys are using a gun. And you as an individual level, if you're not arming yourself with a gun, guess what? You're going to become redundant. And here's the thing. It's not about taking away the jobs because the robots are going to take certain jobs. I remember last year when this company called Wowzy was launching their... Um, influencer management platform. Um, at that point in time, uh, I think now he's the CEO of Ecobank, uh, the former APSA Kenya CEO, I forget his name, Jeremy Awori. He made a very profound statement. He said, in our company, we used to have a back office doing loan processing. There used to be a room full of 40 people. Those guys, when you guys apply for a loan, you fill that form, it's taken to that back office. When Angalia, we need David Kian, and Afanya Kazi Wapi, blah, 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 blah. Is he worthy of a loan from APSA, yes or no? That was done by humans. One day, they introduced something called robotic process automation, which does credit scoring. Now they just put those things in the system. The robot looks at your transactions, looks at how many things you defaulted, blah, blah, blah. It goes to CRB. And within a matter of minutes or seconds, it says, this guy is worthy of a loan or not. That's how things like Tala and all that stuff work. In fact, one of the things I remember hearing in an event is they look at things even like how often you call mom. Apparently, people who call mom are more likely to pay their loans back. Did you know that? That's a data point that is using AI to say that if I'm scoring you on the basis of ability to pay back a loan, 
ukipiga simu idloze how many times did they call a number called mama mom something mommy it looks at that and says higher this one calls mom that means i have good values therefore i give you a higher credit score to give you a loan then anyway, going back to jeremy's story they took that department they retrained those humans and now those guys do front office operations they talk to customers human level but that loan application process is no longer in a human's hand it is now robots software that is using things pattern recognition eh kuna loan akulipa 2 years ago is that a safe bet maybe not yes but long and short of it these decisions are being made without a human point but the point is at the end of the day if you're not augmenting your skills or learning how to use ai to expand or increase your capacity to do better work faster easier better then you're going to become redundant good morning good morning uh my name is lilian lilian maingi um I attend church here, but I see there's lots of new faces that I don't know. Um, just a couple of points, if I may. Um, I was hoping to add to the conversation a little bit. Um, so I work for a company called MultiShore, and we've got an AI platform called Shore Plus. So I was hoping to add a little bit about um, other uses, and hopefully add to the conversation. Um, and secondly, also wanted to answer the person who I think was here somewhere who works in agri-tech or agriculture. Um, there was the question of how AI can be applied there, and I just wanted to highlight a company called Cinefa. Uh, Cinefa is S-Y-N-E-F-F-A. Um, the CEO is a person called Titan Yetich. And what Cinefa does is basically what you've said. Um, you, they have an AI platform where they gather data from different parts of um, large-scale farmers so whether you're doing animal farming, they mostly work with uh, plant and agri-farming. And they gather up all the data onto a platform. And they use that platform, first of all, to tell you what kind of return you should expect from uh, whatever you have uh, at the moment. And they also help you to um, figure out the best ways for you to manage. And sometimes they even have automated uh, systems that do the work for you. So they water the plants for you, they manage the um, distribution of fertilizer and all that kind of stuff. So this is very much uh, available right now in terms of agri-tech. Um, and so just to add a little bit, if I may just humble brag a little bit and share a little bit about what we do. Very humble. <laughs> Especially because I said it's humble, it's very humble. Um, so I work for a company called Multishore. We are in the insurance uh, industry. We actually work with the likes of Britain, APA, Takafu, and such. Okay. <laughs> Let me stand here so you can see me. Um, hi. <laughs> so um, we work in the insurance industry. And what we do is we automate your insurance claims um, and insurance uploading. So everything from, uh, we do micro insurance. So you can pay per item rather than paying uh, long-term premiums, but we also have a platform that we've created called Sure Plus, and that works for everyone. Uh, basically, it's an AI automated chatbot where you as a business or as an individual can set certain parameters, and you can use that as a way to contact and communicate with your customers. So instead of having someone who responds regularly to customers, we automate the process. So if someone sends, like, say, a hi, they get a response back. If they have a question, they get automated responses back that are humanized. Not to sound weird, but, like, a response that are humanized to uh, basically answer any questions that uh, you might have. We'll be uh, at the expo tomorrow, so feel free to come over and see how our AI platform can help you. But I just wanted to highlight that. It is integrated to WhatsApp. Hey, you so see, it passes the... <laughs> the touring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so th th again, this think about it this way. It's not just you learning from the team. There's cross-pollination that can happen here. And thanks for that question. Um, Lillian will be facilitating a session later on. Uh, this afternoon, she'll tell us a bit more about that before we end. And the next session, Digital Marketing, will be run by Moses Kamibaro. He'll talk a bit more about that. So we, I, I told you, we have a packed day for you. We have a day and a half. So please, Abby, go ahead and ask your question. Okay. 
So um, my name is Abby, and I have a question regarding how someone can leverage themselves and make themselves, I guess, unreplaceable in a workplace so that their job is not taken over by AI. You gave the example of how like um, there's this company and there's people who are going through loans and checking this one is valid of a loan, this one deserves it, but you may be enrolled, like be working in a company that's not as kind to you and they're like, okay, we found a robot, bye. Like, they wouldn't give you <laughs> that front desk type of experience. So um, I think my question is just how to make yourself better in order for you not to get replaced even with all the AI coming in and stuff like that. Yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll rat on her a bit. She helped organize this space, the workshops for the day. She is amazing. She's putting amazing hours. And she's starting school now. Uni, just look at her and envy her because of the time she's going to school. What is it our days? Anyway, please go ahead and maybe react, respond, uh, Oscar, respond to Lillian and also answer Abby's question because nothing is going to go on until we answer Abby's question. <laughs> um, I, I, I employ people, I think even I'm hiring currently, um, and I'll just repeat what Moses um, said, um, in as much as AI is going to replace or do certain jobs people do better, I always challenge my team, your job must get easier. That's the challenge I tell to everybody who works with me. If your job is not getting any easier, then you have a problem. Why is your job supposed to get easier? With time, you gain mastery and speed, and you're supposed to leverage all these tools uh, that you have to make your job easier. And when your job gets easier, you're able to actually learn newer skills, for instance. Newer skills position you in a position where you can actually also add more value to any organization, right? So um, let me use an example of sales. My team does a lot of sales. Even Moses is like, does Google give you data? You keep contacting me. Like, no, I, our salespeople just find people. And how they do it, they leverage a lot of AI tools. And then sales, um, we will use a tool and feed it certain conditions. I want to find people running businesses. And I want people who have these decision-making capabilities. And I want you to also check, do these people have a website? When you find their website, go and reverse check where are their emails or platforms technology rooted. So only select people that are being rooted to these kinds of technology. Once you have those people, show me how, who they are. Now remove any people who is in sales. Now after that, because we are selling, when you sell sales, you, you sell to each other, it's, it's, it's cyclic loop, right? Then after that, we are actually able to craft a communication sequence uh, to send to those people, right? So rather than send one email to one person at a time, I am sending a hundred emails to a hundred organizations in five minutes. I've created a sequence, and it will automatically create, after a week, send this. When somebody replies, send this. If somebody doesn't reply, send a follow-up. So we can set a sequence for three emails, and I'm reaching a hundred people. Now, if you're in my sales organization and you are telling me I will go to LinkedIn, find Moses, send him a connection request, wait for him to accept, then, then after he accepts, that's when I'll send him a message and say, hi, hi, how are you, how are you? You see, Thank you, you the versus ad. the other person, who's going to be, regardless of AI, going to be retrained? You understand? So that's why you have to position. You, you have to get the gun, as Moses said. You can't come with your, with your knife. With yeah. your butter knife. Yeah. Moses, go for it. You know, you said something very profound. You know, what happened to us over COVID, we made a conscious decision. Um, we lost people, all right? We lost uh, certain employees. Uh, we kind of, when we started working from home, something very profound happened. I think Kenyans, we have a psychology about Kuingia Ofisini. Yeah, so I don't know if it's a psychological switch or something, but when people were sitting in the office, or you now, you're sitting there, it's 9.05, and you notice uh, half your office is not there. You know, you start sending SMS to Kwapi. What's happening? Yeah, we have a meeting, deadline, blah, blah, blah. But the psychology, you guys didn't get the office and they start working. Sindio? But when we went remote, something very profound happened. And I'm going to just be honest that the guys who we left are the people who we figured out are not built or don't have the attitude for working remotely. 
we started working and I said to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I need to pay salaries, including the driver who was no longer driving us around for meetings because the car was just parked there. Um, we kept paying, I think, for a good amount of time because me, I'm a humanist. I believe in humanity and, you know, my Christian values. I'm like, keep people going as long as you can. Then at some point, you're losing clients. Clients are cutting your retainers by 50%. I can't afford to keep the whole team, so I had to let five people go. But here's the funny thing. Before even those five guys left, it was just very simple to see who's working and who's not working. I think the point I'm trying to make is the future of work, right? The future of work is self-oriented, almost like gig economy mentality. You are self-orienting, self-functioning, self-performing. Now, for me as an employer, I even tell my guys in the office, come work on a side hustle, fanya. Because even this business started as a side hustle. I'd work at night, I'd work on weekends, and I did, did this money, I needed money to take care of a family member who was not well. I, my business actually was brought out of a personal crisis. But they tell them, look guys, I have no problem. All I say is that when you're doing our jobo, do it well, do it on time, and make sure our customers are happy. Now when I started noticing that some people saw working remotely is cut blanche for me to start doing side hustle 24-7 and forget where my bread is buttered, then those are the first people who went, right? But the guys who understood the opportunity were the guys who saw, so you mean now, instead of being in a mat from Rongai or whatever for two hours, and at the same time two hours going home, I now have another four hours, we're delivering work faster, easier, better. And I'll tell you for free, many of them were even using ChatGPT before me. Where they already knew how to hack the system to do more, faster, easier, better, right? And that's what I think ultimately we're saying here, that the future of work, especially for young people like you, is going to be asking yourself the question is, did I go to uni, and even today I ask myself, and probably David the same when we're at USIU, do we use half of what we learned in uni today? So are you continuously learning, evolving, acquiring the new skill sets, using the new tools? I mean, honestly speaking, I miss meetings. But because I have Fireflies, guess what happens? I send my Firefly AI to the meeting. When the meeting ends, I get a summary of what was discussed in the other meeting. That means I can do two meetings at the same time. Yeah? And it comes back with a summary, including the audio recording of that meeting, so I can even hear the meeting if I want to. So the future is going to be this worker who operates almost like a gig economy, like, a, like almost like an Uber driver, that kind of is working in a context of I will use whatever means available to me to do the work of five people as one person. Faster, easier, better, more excellent, and even cheaper than the next guy. And that is how you become an invaluable em uh, employee using tools like AI. That is another, put that in a pipe and smoke it for a while moment. Eh? So, Pastor Tony has a question. But just before you ask a question, I, I just want to, to bring this. In the New Testament, the Romans built the roads. Those roads were used to take the gospel. Does that make sense? So essentially, the platforms we are using right now have been designed by other people, but we can use them, one for the gospel and one to advance our business. Because Jesus said, occupy till I come. Pastor Tony? Yeah. Um, you talked about the future of work. I want to get you to the space of the future of education. And I know there's some teachers here. I, I have a nine-year-old. And uh, yesterday, I can't remember what you were talking about. And I asked him, what's, what's the basis of what you're saying? And he said, Google. <laughs> yeah. Very confidently that he's done his research and he has seen that Google. So this is something he learned by himself. Yeah. And now we are getting into a space where they can get a lot of information. Just ask ChatGPT, how do I do this? You want to do a research, do all this. So in terms of the future of education and the place of teachers and the kind of schooling uh, system that, that we, we have, what's your, what's your take on that? So in terms of a question, you can't plug Moses' other job better than that because he basically does an ed tech session for, for MasterCard. So in terms of lining up, that is almost perfect. Please talk to that, and also in the same time talk about future parenting, because I think that's, a, that's another story altogether as well. Yeah, so, you know, it's so funny, David, you're bringing this up, because if I remember correctly, the many, many years ago that you and I were in university, we didn't have the internet, recall? So what used to happen at uh, USIU is you'd go to the library and see if a book was available. And if that book was not available, you could go to the librarian and ask him, sister, who's got this book? And then over lunch, or after class, you'd now hunt that person down in the campus and say, boss, I need that book. 
because I can't do my assignment without that book. And that's how we got things done. Now, the teacher's role is evolving, all right? It's becoming more what I'd call a coach because our children have limitless content available to them. In fact, when I use my kids and I see how they use the internet, me, I go to Google and I type. Because, you know, I'm from that generation who are pre-digital. Yeah, I'm not one of the digi digitally, okay? And as digital natives, our behavior is such that back in the day, we used to read newspapers, even including the obituaries. You remember that? Yeah. Two years ago in my company, we decided to stop buying newspapers, and me, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I couldn't believe I'm not buying papers. But funny enough, social media gives me all the information I need. Although we're now subscribing digitally to get the tenders and all that stuff. But my kids go on the TV, because we have those virtual TV things, and they ask Google or YouTube the question. In fact, they go to YouTube as such. They don't use Google, they use YouTube to find a video. Show me how to paint this, show me whatever. So the teacher's role is no longer the, um, the perfect uh, advisor or AI to tell them what they need. The teacher now becomes the coach to nurture them and support them in this, because now they have infinite information available to them. And one of the things that we're saying, like when we do the EdTech show, we do something called EdTech Mondays Kenya, which broadcasts every uh, once a month. Uh, and in fact, one of the key themes in that is uh, digital literacy. So what we need to do is enhance literacy skills in digital spaces for our children, for our educators, and our caregivers and parents. Why? Because now their role has shifted to saying, do you, for instance, know whether your child is safe online? Who are they talking to on TikTok? and these platforms. There are even some other apps that today are coming out above and beyond TikTok that the kids are using that us parents have no understanding about. And what insights are they getting? My son, for instance, attends a Christian-based uh, young uh, teenager's uh, forum. In fact, today is at one of them. And whenever the counselor or the person who facilitates comes back to us and tells us what our kids know, most of us parents almost fall off our chairs. These guys know everything. They know everything, even the gender issues you guys, uh, any, they know. Why? Google is there, YouTube is there, they know the stuff. So we need to become more of the coaches. The infinite knowledge is there, but we need to help them navigate that space, keep them safe. Also put the guardrails so that they don't get the wrong insights and start forming them as part of their worldview. And if we don't put the guardrails, unfortunately that becomes a huge risk. But going back to education, the role changes. We need to make sure that everyone is digitally literate. And then on top of that, what are the best practices or the right ways of making sure that the insights and the knowledge they're acquiring are actually relevant to the future of work? And the future of work, as we know, post-pandemic, is actually digital. Yeah, so the old school methodologies that we used to have around education and how we support and nurture and coach our kids are essentially becoming redundant. Let me just add uh, a di dimension to that. I do a lot of edge tech work, and you would be. We I recently I was involved in an organization that was supplying devices to the blind. And and just being in that space and seeing what the people were gonna use the technology to open new possibilities that would have been completely locked out of them, was you know you know how you are somewhere you're like. You know, you take for granted certain things that we have, you know. So there is embedded technology in devices that can read for the blind, that can guide them and tell them what to do. Uh, and I spoke to somebody in another high course school, it's like, oh, we use the same technology for people that have, you know, this dyslexia or these kind of challenges. And when somebody wants to do an exam, it, it reads for them the instructions and it allows them to do, you know, can you imagine the people who have those challenges that these would be, uh, locked out of, and now infuse that with AI, if I am visually challenged, I can actually ask questions, help me understand how this concept, and it can read for me voice prompts back. It's, it's a completely um, area that would completely lock out people if it wasn't for the new tools and technologies that we are having. And as Moses said, I think the important thing is to put the, uh, the controls for the children. You know, I think if you go back, we had all kinds of books when you were studying, you know, including funny, funny magazines and all that. And somehow you knew um, certain magazines are not for us, certain things are not for us. It's, it's the same with the internet. It's full of all manner of things 
but how do you, even misleading things, you know, just doesn't mean it, just because it appeared on Google top doesn't mean it's good. It just means Moses and his people who do digital marketing really did a good job. So there's, there's even a theory where <laughs> the doctors tell you, just because you Googled your symptoms doesn't replace my six years of education. The, you, the, the output you got out of Google is, 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 a, is a, you know, it has just a good SEO. It doesn't mean it's the absolute answer. It's not replacing the human uh, skills that they, they, they have. So how do you even make people understand um, we have all these information at our tips, but the professionals and the, 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 the consumption for it should also be guided by the people that have the skills. So as a teacher, I mean, just because you come and tell me I saw one plus one is three on the internet, it's never going to be three. Regardless of how you put it, this could be a good guy who's put a perfect SEO hypothetically that says one plus one is three. If my child comes and tells me one plus one is three, uh, there's no way I'm going to accept that. As, as a teacher, that's actually also my duty to, to help my ki the kids understand that. Right? Unless they learn synergy at a very early age. <laughs> can, I, can I just yeah, add to this? Whether one plus one equals three, you know, it might identify as three. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you heard that, yeah? That's a hot button issue. Yeah. So I'm going to, we are going to pick two more questions. I also want to be, you can tell that this discussion is far from over. And you could actually have a full day on this. But it's touching hot button items, like, like, like parenting. Also, if we don't know the technology as well, how are we able to put the guardrails? You get, if they're ahead of us. So that's a whole debate for another day. So I'll take this question and I'll pick one more question there. And then uh, I can wind up so that we can be ready for the next session. All right, two things. Hi, good morning, everyone. Yes, so two things. One, I have a comment, and then number two, I have a question. So one, I actually think AI has been with us for since the time of Moses, if you ask me. Why? Uh, when the 12 were sent to go check the land, Canaan, all right, they went, came back. How, what did the 10 say? The 10 said, uh, what we saw there, they are very huge, they are very big and all. But only two actually, not because they, were, they did not have fear, but simply because they had the courage that we can actually defeat this. All right, if you ask me, all right? So that said, uh, there's also that bit of, <laughs> I think it's Daniel or Ezekiel, one of them dreamt. How many remember the dreaming of clay? I see you can help me there. About the, there was a bit of clay, there was a bit of bronze, there was a bit of iron. Guys, AI, AI, AI has actually been with us for a very long time. That notwithstanding, um, we we all know. Sorry, my phone is ringing. Um, we all know that yes, AI is going to impact everything. All right, I, I am scared of how it's going to impact the medical industry. I'm not very sure if one of my people go for surgery. I would want a robot to to do the surgery on them, but we all know that it's going to impact. Okay, we all know that. Uh, the future is also easier with AI, blah, blah, blah. There are so many things we already, we can all agree with that. But the question is, this is a question, how? Should we go back to school, how? Is it possible that the two of you can actually answer the question, how do we go ahead and actually be very digital literate, all right? Uh, is it possible that to Nenda Shule, do we go back to school, which books should we read? What should we watch, all right? Because, yes, we can all say how easy it is, but we're not solving the question of how do we help ourselves. Uh, and you thought I had qu tough questions, huh? <laughs> yeah, let's pick the other question. We can, we can answer both, and then we can wind up for today. Thank you, my name is Mike. My question is, uh, and maybe more to Moses, you've, uh, you've, you've explained very easily that your phone tells you what is due next. Did it just happen? Or you did something to your phone for it to do it for you? Because I'm looking at my phone and I'm thinking I need to change my phone. <laughs> All right. That is, that is profound. Yeah, let's pick another question. I also want to tell you on education. I sometimes work for a company and... Um, 
what they what they were doing is that they helped autistic nonverbal children communicate with their iPad. Just because you see somebody cannot form words does not mean they don't have cognition of where they were or they are and they cannot talk to you. See, we overstate the power of words, but there's much more than that. Yeah, actually there's a campaign, it's called um, Let Dylan Talk to You. And you will see this, this child, this young man who was, who was, you know, he was, he was a menace to his parents, throwing things around, but the moment he got an iPad and it was programmed for his kind of language, Dylan had a lot to say, even in class. The question is, Will our fear stop us from building bridges to people groups and people who are not exactly like us so that they are able to interact in the world the way we are and even probably have even better things to say because they've been observing us for much longer than we are. All right, sorry, I'm not even a participant. Go ahead, please ask a question. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Kevin uh, Jabali Admin, the school here. Uh, my question is how can... Uh, Inst uh, educational institution uh, incorporate the AI into the curricula and uh, if there is any practical examples that will at least guide us on how we can also adapt to this uh, modern society. Thank you. It is apparent we need to have a full session on AI and education. This is a full run day workshop. Yeah, for real, for real. Yep. So no, you want to go first? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll start with her. Uh, you say, what should I read? What How? Yes. And what literature should I consume to be digital uh, or, or embrace the changing world? Um, recently, I think, I don't know if Moses saw it, there was a surgery I saw that was performed on a banana uh, via 5G by a doctor in London in, in the US. Um, Completely, the doctor was, I think, in London. I, I, excuse, I may get the countries wrong, but the banana was being operated in, in the US. Completely anonymous. No, completely without touch, without people being there. <laughs> um, that's how technology evolves. And you see the fact you've already looked at it. Like, eh? You see? <laughs> see? So that's, that's what has to change for a start. Uh, the resistance to where is this going? Where is this going to impact me in the medical field? Um, you can be giving um, a child in Turkana medical aid without actually being there, right? The infrastructure and technology allowing, right? And how do you uh, get there? I studied engineering, and but somehow I do technology and all that. It's, it's, it's one of those things, it's individual interest. Um, I mean, if there's a doctor here and they don't know that procedure happened, that's probably a, a starting problem, right? So what are the trends and the new realities that are happening in your industry? Believe you me, each and every industry is constantly under innovation, under things changing. So if you cannot figure out what's happening in your own industry, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in medicine, whether you're in law, um, I think for me that's where I believe is, is a starting point, keeping trends with your own industry. That would help you understand which skills, which areas do I need to pay attention to keep myself um, at top of, top of my class, although there's no class after that. I, I hope that. He has a class, so he's asked a question about uh, ed administration in uh, education. Education. <laughs> Um, I, know, I know educators don't like AI much because it makes uh, their, their learners um, you know, lazy and, and zombies. Um, so I can understand where that challenge is, is, is coming from. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether Tanitin still works to do all your plagiarism check and, and, and all that, but I'm sure ChatGPT is, is, is evolving to, there's someone who built anti-ChatGPT that helps somebody when they submit a homework that is chat GPT there, you know. But there's a, there's a profound uh, experiment, I'm not sure whether it's, 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 it's properly documented or it's, it was just a, a simple experiment. A lecturer allowed his students to use chat GPT to do homework. He to gave them carte blanche, right? And profoundly, he said some of the students when they were submitting in their homework said chat GPT wasn't much help. 
it was helping them get certain prompts, certain things to you know refine their work. But in terms of getting the substance and the real uh, depth of the subject matter, the students reported they had to actually do the hard work. So at the end of the day, the things it helped them with in that homework was not even related to the actual depth of the substance, right? So it's in, I, I look at it from a point of view, it's gonna be a companion for the, for the, for the learners, but at the end of the day, it's never gonna make a, a kid know the integration, when I'm doing the integration, I need to know how the integration sequence works or calculus, you know. It will show me an answer, but if I am put to task to, to, to run through it, I need to, to know it. Yep. So, yeah. Have a good week. Yeah. So I think I'll start off with your question about the future of work. And maybe I can use my own analogy, um, my life and my stuff, you know. Um, what I've come to learn, and this is really important for young people and anyone in the workplace today, is there's a lot of value in maintaining a posture of, and to use a very famous uh, Steve Jobs quote, stay young, stay foolish, right? Let me explain why. You know, like even at my age, is this sort of thing is your generation, your music, your lifestyle. Me, I'm nothing like that. I'm on Afrobeats, I'm, I'm a piano, I'm listening in podcasts, I'm watching YouTubes, I'm on TikTok, for heaven's sake, and I even got a video that got 40,000 views. Do you know how high, how high I got on that? And here's the thing, the thing that you think is gonna trend, like yesterday I was at an event when um, they brought the, the, the uh, Premier League Cup to Kenya, the trophy. So I was one of the people invited as a blogger to be there, right, as an Arsenal fan. Yes. Uh, as an Arsenal fan. Now you're to Kowengi. I was just observing and inspecting to make sure that when we bring it back to our home base, yes, at the North Emirates London. this season, yeah. I just wanted to make sure it was looking okay. But anyway, <laughs> so I took a video of uh, the footballer. What's his name? JJ uh, Okocha. JJ Okocha. And he was there dribbling and everything. And I was like, oh my God, today I'm going to go crazy on TikTok. I think only got 500 views. My Starlink video is still on 40,000, so I don't have the right answer there. But I think it's about experimentation, doing, learning. The moment you take on a posture of, his of it was a TikTok movie, say, Lewi. The moment you assume that posture, you're dead. Because me, I'll tell you right now, in my office, most of my guys have dreadlocks and tattoos. Unfortunately, I don't have the hair to grow it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to do dreadlocks, but now the hair's gone. But the point is, I'm with them to Kopamoja. We can discuss the same topics. I even for heaven's sake, you can even go to ChatGPT and tell it, write this thing in Sheng. And it'll create copy in Sheng. Kiswahili. You can say give it 20% Sheng and 80% Kiswahili Sanifu. It'll create content of that nature. We have never lived in a time in humanity where there are tools and platforms like this that allow you to do such things. I've been working on the internet for 30 years. We started out with this guy. You don't have to steal the time. Yeah. 30 plus years. And <laughs> I can tell you for free, guys, it has never been more exciting. Everything you think has been done, we are just getting started. All right? And if you don't maintain that posture, you are dead. Right? So the music, the lifestyle, understanding the trends, listening to what people are doing, observing the trends, going to TikTok and saying, okay, how do I create a quick TikTok video? I don't even know how I did that Starlink thing. I put two pictures and music, and I got 40,000 views and guys commenting. Baka, I haven't had the time to respond to the comments. But all I know is that as I keep experimenting, as I keep observing, as I keep trying, I learn something new. And that is the posture you need to adopt to maintain relevance and also be ready for the next, next thing, right? Now, going back to the question on education, I completely agree with this remark, that AI is almost reminding me of that time when I was in high school and I think in the curriculum I was in at that point, you could not bring a calculator to do your physics, chem, and bio. You had something called logbooks. Now, if you don't know what a logbook is, eh? uh, just know you're young. <laughs> but the point is, a logbook is what you use to use your pure math and those things. Eh? Now, calculators are allowed, tablets are allowed in classrooms because they've understood that at the conceptual level, you need to grasp it to do the, the task. And I think education is moving in that direction where that level which I like to say, don't make a human do a robot's job, is where this AI and all plays. Whether you're gonna grasp a concept or not is where the hard work is. And if you don't fundamentally understand it, then you can't do the task, right? And that's where I think education is going. The last thing about your phone. Um, 
there are settings you can enable so that this thing starts to automatically do stuff. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's now embedding itself in everything. So in time, you will not even need to do anything. Let's tell you, boss, this needs to happen. This is your shopping list. This is whatever. So that the AI or this um, device of yours essentially becomes a virtual assistant. It's doing things for you that you used to do yourself. It starts to understand. It starts to anticipate what you need. And that, I think, is an incredible future.